Hi, welcome here. Whether you're, whether you're new with us or uh, this is a, your regular church home, just, just welcome to you. And Jelaine, thank you for just leading us this morning. We're just so glad that you are with us this morning. Um, if you've been tracking with us over the last couple of weeks, we've been journeying through Jesus' road to the cross from, from, from uh, Palm Sunday to Good Friday. And then surprise, we celebrated the fact that Jesus did not stay dead on what we know as Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. It was a weekend of reflection and also a story and a message of hope that exists for every person, for every person, whether you're a believer or a cynic. You see, Jesus is back from the dead. And so we ended Easter Sunday in sort of this dramatic tone of like, ooh, it's to be continued. I don't know. It sounded good at the time. But the reality is the way of Jesus, his purpose, his new kingdom that he unleashed on earth, it wasn't, it didn't end with Easter Sunday. You see, resurrection wasn't the end. It was just the beginning, the beginning of a movement that changed the world, a movement that inspired followers of Jesus to create hospitals and and education systems and government from democracy to monarchy and arts and science and technology and so, so much that we now enjoy today. So much of the good in our world can be traced back to that first Easter and the movement of the way of Jesus. Now, this movement has implications for all of us. You see, the church, as, as imperfect as the church is, and, you know, it has changed the world, undoubtedly. It has changed humanity. As an unbeliever, if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in Jesus, this has implications for you. If you do believe in God, whether just a short while or for your entire life, this has implications for you. So for you, what comes to mind when I say the word church? I think that for many people, the thought of a building comes to mind. Hey, kind of like this one. Something I'd really love to know is the team that came into this building and said, you know what would look really good? Orange pews. Just so many of them. Let's fill it with orange. 15 years ago, when we first came to this church, there was orange all around the back. And this entire wall right here was a giant orange curtain. It really woke you up when you walked into the room. But, you know, for many people, it, we think of an hour and a half event in a building on a Sunday. It's what comes to mind when we hear the word church. See, whenever I meet other Christians in our city or just traveling, I often ask them, hey, tell me, about, tell me a little bit about your church. And without fail, most people start to talk about church, the event, like how their music is like indie meets Bethel, or, oh, we have pour over coffee, and that's why the Holy Spirit is there. And, you know, there's, there's great teaching, and there's this thing, and there's that, and, oh, there's a golf cart in the parking lot that picks us up so we don't have to walk far. And on Volunteer Appreciation Sunday, we hand out bacon, and that's actually something that I can definitely get behind, but it's a lot. It's a lot. And I've been tempted to interrupt at some times and just say, look, I love that for you. That is great. But tell me about your church, not the events. Tell me about your church. You see, we come here on Sunday, after Sunday, after Sunday. Well, for some of you, it's every other Sunday or 
you know, one Sunday a month, but we still love you. We still love you. But we come here regularly, and I think what begins to happen is it just gets easy. You know, it gets easy to be sucked into the motion and the rhythm and the cycle of doing this two-hour thing once a week, you know? Like, we come here, we get some road coffee out in Common Ground. We come in here, we stand up, we sing, and, and we clap when the band plays really well. And then sometimes we don't clap. And then new people in church are like, well, did they not do a good job? Or do we only clap for certain songs? Or are we clapping for Jesus? Do we clap for Jesus after every song or just certain songs? I don't know. And then we ask you to stand up and we force you to shake other people's hand and make them feel welcome. Like, oh, welcome here, I guess. <laughs> and then you sit and then you listen to a TED Talk with the Bible. And then sometimes Derek Yaganiski, he has snacks for you. Like, for real, the other day he offered me nibs. I'm not even joking. It was delicious. But what I'm getting at is it's sometimes easy. <laughs> it's sometimes easy to forget the story that we're all wrapped, in, wrapped up in. We are wrapped up in a story. It is a story that is so much bigger than an event on a Sunday morning. So today, even if it's a review for some of you, I want to retell that story because the early church did something remarkable and we can learn so, so much from them. These are people that were inspired by Jesus. They were with Jesus and they were marked by the way of Jesus. So this whole series, while it journeys through the book of Acts, and we're going to look at lessons that we can learn from the early church because there are many lessons, I actually want to start us in Matthew chapter 16. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to the New Testament there, and it's the first book, Matthew chapter 16, because it's here that Jesus calls together this little band of hyper-dysfunctional guys to pick up where Israel leaves off and to carry the story onwards. You see, Jesus' 12 form the core of what we now call the church. And there's this instance where, where Jesus asks his disciples, like, who do you think I am? Not, not in a sassy way, but like he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And what comes next is a, is a pretty famous line. You might be familiar with it. But Jesus says to Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gates of hell will not overcome it. This is really important because this is the very first time that the word church is used in the New Testament of the Bible. You see, in Greek, it's the word ecclesia. Can you say that with me? Ecclesia. Yeah, well done, four of you that said it. Now, I was never really good at grammar, never really good at grammar, but this is a compound word, I think. Yes, it is. It's a compound word. The EC in ecclesia is a proposition. It's found all over the New Testament of the Bible. It means from or out of. And then the last part of that word, klesia, it pretty much means called. So the literal meaning of the word church, but in Greek, ecclesia means the called out ones. You see, Jesus was calling out a people. He was calling out a new Israel, a people that were no longer based on ethnicity, social status, or equity, but a people based on the faith and understanding that Jesus is the king and the son of the living God, which in that Greek-Roman, that Greco-Roman culture was a radical, radical call to community. So if you turn over to Acts 1 in your Bible, if you're tracking or on your phones, the author of this book is Luke. And he writes this. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, which is Luke, the gospel of Luke, he says, I wrote all about 
that Jesus began to do and teach. So Luke is saying, my last book was all about what Jesus began. And this new book, this new text, is about what Jesus will continue to do through the church. Now, if you skip down to verse 6, it says, these are the disciples. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, is it finally here? Is this long-awaited kingdom of God, is it finally come? And just classic Jesus, he just says, it's not for you to know. That's what he says. But he goes on to say this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is the capital city of Israel, and in all Judea, that's an area to the south, and in Samaria, that's up in the north, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus gets taken up into heaven, and he disappears from their sight. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Because you see, in Acts chapter 2, it's this notable story that some of us might be familiar with, but it's where the Spirit of God comes into this place where all the disciples are, are gathered, and it fills them. So Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so the story goes on. So the church, the, or, the early followers of Jesus, uh, you know, they're all together in God with, with the Spirit the Holy Spirit descending on that day of Pentecost is saying, listen, what you, Israel, what you have been waiting for for hundreds of years, it is finally here. It's finally here. And the first thing, notice, because this sets the tone for the rest of this morning and really for the rest of the series, the first thing that the Spirit does is form a community. You see, when you skip down to the end of chapter 2 in Acts, to the Spirit comes, Peter, Peter stands up in front of the city of Jerusalem, uh, uh, Jerusalem and he starts to preach the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus is the king, that the kingdom is here. And then at the very end, we read this in verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Like, they became a megachurch overnight. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So that just means a like deep relationship and community to the breaking of bread, that's a euphemism for the table, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So the Holy Spirit was on a move here. All the believers were together. They just had a genuine, genuine love for one another. And they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. You see, these were a community of people that sold their property and possessions to give to anyone that had any sort of need, like, hey, you need money? Here. You need a car? Here. You need a rental? Here you go. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So these are thousands, thousands of people coming together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Like, man, eating together. And I love this. As someone who loves food, I love this. Eating together is such a central theme to the kingdom of God. Thank you, God. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people in the city. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Like, that sounds pretty good, hey? Sounds almost as cool as our church, but not quite. See, the thing is, this church, if you keep reading through Acts, it was anything but perfect or ideal. It was anything. It was, it was messy. It was messy. It was messy just like circle is messy. And just like every other church on the planet is messy. It wasn't perfect by far. 
But it was a healthy, thriving community. It was. And what I would love to have you see right now is this. See, the way the kingdom of God spreads from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth is through a people. It is through a people. And God is still, to this day, calling out a people to co-rule over the kingdom of God. Now, if you missed Easter when we talked about this, this kingdom of God that we keep sort of referencing to is a language that's unfamiliar to you and I because it's a Jewish phrase. But it's essentially, it's this long-awaited kingdom, this moment when God would break back into human history and make the world right again, when God would become king over the earth again. It's something that Israel had been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds of years. Now, see, at, at times, Jesus would teach and he would reference to this kingdom of God as being right now and here, but then at other times, he would make it sound like it was something to come, like it's on the horizon, it's in the future. And it's actually both. It's here in bits and pieces, and it will spread inch by inch, mile by mile, city by city, to every square inch of the earth with Jesus' return. But the question has to be asked, how? How will it spread? How will the kingdom of God spread? I mean, Jesus isn't here anymore, right? He's at the right hand of the Father. So how will the kingdom spread? And the answer is through the church. It's through the spirit-empowered community of Jesus. But what's been happening to the church as a whole is we've become event-based. We have become Sunday-based. You know, like a group of Uh, believers, people that already know Jesus. It's kind of an insider thing. You come and do your own thing. You watch, you stand, you clap, you hopefully make a friend or two, but then essentially you go back into your life and you kind of just follow Jesus all by yourself. And what's been happening in the church is like we've started to realize that, man, that does not line up with the story of God. It It just doesn't. You see, we cannot, we cannot follow Jesus alone. We have to follow Jesus in community. We have to. And I know COVID made this worse, but we were already heading there anyway. But the West, the Western world, has become the most hyper-individualistic society in the world. And there's a lot of sociologists out there that would argue in human history. So we'll come to church, you know, every week or every other week or, or when we volunteer, and we'll make a friend or two, we'll hang out for a bit. But for the most part, we kind of just want to do our own thing. But it does not work that way. It just does not work that way. See, Jesus didn't have have a disciple. It wasn't Jesus and Peter run and show. He had disciples. He had a fellowship. It was never singular. He called how many? He called 12, and 12 became 70, and 70 became hundreds, and hundreds became thousands, and today has become billions and billions of people around the world. That group of 12 was the original church community, and community is the way of following Jesus. It is. It's where we figure out the way of Jesus. It's where we're shaped to become more like Jesus. You see, most of Jesus' teachings were actually on relationships, like in the Sermon on the Mount. So just to say it straight, I'm just going to say it straight, you cannot live in the way of Jesus if you're not in community. You cannot we follow Jesus together. 
We've got to. My second point is this. Church isn't an event to consume. It's a community to participate in. It's not just a two-hour time commitment on a Sunday here at Circle. It is a community of people who do life together all week long. You see, the Sunday gathering is good, and it's great, it's important, it is necessary, but it is just the tip of the iceberg. There's just so much that you cannot see sitting right now in this room. There's so much depth of relationship and justice and healing and kingdom and life and discipleship together that happens outside of this room. So if this is all you know of church, and for some of you, it it might be. If you come here on Sundays and you like it, or maybe you don't like it, but you're here and you have a few friends, that's great, and we are happy. We are. We are happy that you are here. But if you're not in community, if that's not how you live, man, then you are missing out. You're missing out. See, this is a large church. It's hard to find community in a room with 500 other people in one space. And so we as a church, we operate to offer midweek opportunities to connect. We do, and it's a chance for you to journey into and to connect with other people and do life and faith with one another, to experience discipleship. And we do life as a smaller group of people with 8, 10, 12 people gathering regularly in homes, serving on teams, serving with one another, breaking bread, sharing with one another, having fun together, praying with each other, celebrating with each other, grieving with one another. Man, that is the good and beautiful community that the church, the early church did so, so well. And it's what we're being called to and invited to as well. Now, it's a difficult thing because sometimes we don't always want, want community, do we? Like as an introvert, sometimes like, people drain me sometimes, man. It's so much easier to come to Sunday service and consume, just to consume, than it is to show up on a Thursday night and eat a meal and share life and do life with people all week long, especially if you're maybe not great friends with your community or if you don't have friends at church. But what if I said that your community doesn't have to be your best friends? You see, there's a very real distinction between friends and family. And I know that we all know this, but you see, friends, friends are people that mirror you back to yourself. That's what friends are. Friends are people that you kind of naturally sort of gravitate towards. You enjoy, you like to be around. And usually, but not always, your friends dress like you. They talk like you. They think like you. They vote like you. They listen to the same music that you listen to. Like, have you ever, ever met someone and you're like, wow, like, so I was at the gym the other day in, like, in the steam room, which is probably too much information, but I met this guy and I was like, wow, I really like you. I really like you. And afterwards, I was just thinking about this. And I was like, like, what was it about that person? I, like, we just had this instant like bro connection. It was awesome. And it was because he reminded me of myself. I was like, no wonder I like you so much. It helped that he looked like Brad Pitt. I've been told we kind of have similarities going, but... You see, that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Friends are great, and they're needed. They are. But family, man, family. Family is a people that you are born into for good or for bad. It's people you're in relationship 
over, and this is key, over a long period of time. You see, a sign of maturity in community is diversity. It is. Something we've also done is we've created conditions when it comes to community, haven't we? We say, if you don't look like me, if you don't act like me, if you don't talk like me, if you don't vote like me, if you don't see eye to eye on all of these issues the same way I do, then I am not obligated to have fellowship with you. We've all done that. I have done that. We've created conditions around community when Jesus and the early church was a community that did not have conditions. You see, if we only spend time, if you only spend time with people who are like you, and if you only spend time with people you like and that you get along with, that's great. Like, don't worry about it. But here's the thing, and it's significant. You will not grow and you will not mature at the same rate you would if you were to spend time with people from across the spectrum of the kingdom of God. Old, married, young, single, act together, act not together. Like, think about that for your life. Your community does not have to be your best friends, and it really shouldn't. It really shouldn't, and that's just fine. Now, please don't feel shame in any of this. That's not the point, but the point is, I think we're all here because we want to follow Jesus. I think we're all here because we want to follow Jesus, but we cannot do that alone. We have to do that with other people. So at some point, you're going to have to pick a group, a group of people and say, man, we're going to intentionally follow Jesus together. We're going we're to practice the way of Jesus together over a long period of time as a family. You and I, we're going to be brothers and sisters with the Father as our God, and we're going to do all of that, all of life and all of its mess. We're going to do that together. So we follow Jesus in community. That's first. Second, church is not an event to consume, but a community to participate in. And then finally, I just want to say, life, oh man, life is better in community. It really is. You see, yes, community, it's hard work. I think we can all agree on that. It is hard work. At times it's awkward. It's frustrating. It's a pain in the neck at times. Like sometimes you just want to sh- grab a person, just shake them, just sing, stop doing what you're doing. Why are you the way that you are? Stop it. It demands a lot from us. It takes a lot from us, but it is so, so, so much better. See, what's really popular today in our our current context is people migrate from community to community to community to community to community, from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship, from church to church to church to church to church in search of the perfect relational utopia. And as you might know by now, it does not exist because you are there. I'm sorry if that got personal. I'm sorry, not sorry, I'm not sorry. Because we're imperfect people. How can we have, how can we pursue a perfect relational utopia as imperfect people ourselves? It doesn't make sense. And we'll never find that perfect relational utopia that some of us are looking for. So what ends up happening is it does not exist, and then we never learn to do life with a group of people over a long period of time. That's what happens. There's something incredibly beautiful and compelling about the depth and longevity of relationship. 
I think each of us, I think all of us here have this deep ache, longing for community. I think all of us want that relational utopia. We long for community in our bones, an authentic community, real community. You see, we live in the story. We live in the arc of the story of the church. And this is part of the story because it calls its readers, it calls you and I to participation. And this is where I want to conclude this morning on participation. You see, we are invited to join and participate in the story. We are. And I know for a lot of us, that is just not how we think about church. It's not. We think about church like a movie that we, we, we watch or something like that. Like, did you know church reviews are actually a thing? I looked ours up the other day. We have 4.6 stars out of 5. Like, come on, guys. Let's get with the program. Elam had 4.7. Like, what the heck? You know? But that's how so many of us think about the church, isn't it? The spirit of consumerism, the spirit of the individual, individualism, man, it is, it is eating, it is eroding the church alive from the inside out in North America. It really is. And here's the thing, man, this is something I'm very passionate about as, as a young adult and youth pastor because I have such a heart and care and concern for our next generation. This has got to stop with our generation or we will go the way of Europe and all we will be doing for the next 50 years is managing decline, and I am not interested in that at all. Are you? No. See, this is not something that we come and watch. It's not. This is a community of hope that we, that you and I, we participate in. And again, I don't say this to shame anybody. Please, don't feel shame. This is me. This is you. This is all of us. But the question we should be asking ourselves is, how do we live into this story? Now, for some of you, it might mean that you need to join a small group. Maybe you're not in one. Maybe it's because you're brand new to church, or, or maybe not. Maybe, you're, maybe you've been here for a while. You've been around for months, or maybe even for years. But for whatever reason, you're just not there. And there probably is a reason. There probably is. So I think the next step for you, for some of you, is to sign up for a circle group. Indicate that in your connection card. Come talk to one of us on our team or talk to someone that already is in a circle group and they would love to invite you into their community. But come in and start to live and do life with other people. Don't do this alone. Don't do this alone. You don't have to and you shouldn't. Friends, man, yeah, they're really great. But it's different from the people that you say, let's follow Jesus together on a regular basis. And for some of you that are maybe new to faith or you're new to the church or maybe you're curious about Jesus and, and Christianity and, and, and you guys maybe have questions about life and faith, wow, we have an amazing, amazing opportunity for you to engage in regular small group community and I think that starts on April, it's April 25th with Alpha at Circle. Honestly, this is the greatest. And I, know we, and I know we promote Alpha a lot, but the reason why we do is because it is the greatest space 
to have honest conversations about life and faith and questions that you might have. And there's dessert, so it's a really nice environment. So you see, maybe this is your next step. It is. Try Alpha. Or maybe this is the invitation you need to bring someone to Alpha. Bring someone to Alpha or bring a small group of friends that are curious about the church, curious about this Jesus, curious about faith. Bring them to Alpha. What an amazing opportunity to do this story together. And I think for others of us, you know, we're already maybe in a small group community. Maybe, maybe we are. We're already gathering at some point through the week. But maybe this is the call to just re-engage, to re-engage and also invite people into community, you know? I get it. Like, life gets in the way. Work gets in the way. Family gets in the way. And before you know it, it's weeks or sometimes even months. And maybe for some of us, it's been years before you've engaged with your community or thought about bringing someone into your community. And I just feel like as I was preparing for this message, I just feel a sense, at least for me, and it may be for you, that the Holy Spirit is calling us back to re-engage, to be the people of God that we see all over Scripture. See, at the end of the day, and I know that you know this, I know that we all know this, but the church is not a building. We get tired of hearing that, but yet we just treat church like, like it's an event, like it's a building. But it's not. It is not an event. It's a family. God is the father of that family. We're all sons. We're all daughters. We're all brothers. We're all sisters. And sometimes we get along, and it's great. And it's awesome, and things seem to be going really, really well. But then at other times, we just want to, like, scream at each other. A family. Man, there is just something beautiful about family, man. People with all sorts of problems, all sorts of issues, but who do life together. So that's what God is calling you to. That's a call for me. That is a call for you to live. So how will the kingdom of God go forward? How will the kingdom of God go forward from this place right here, right now? One meal at a time. One weeknight at a time. One relationship at a time. As you and I grow and embody the way of Jesus together. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your church. God, I thank you for this church and for your church in Saskatoon. God, as messy and as imperfect as the church is, as our church is, God, I just still give you thanks and gratitude for it. God, I thank you that this is a community of people that in spite of all of our mess, in spite of all of, all of the stuff that we bring, that we can belong and we can be a part of something, God. That we can be a part of your family. And God, I just feel it in my heart right now. I feel like there are people in this room right now that have maybe never been a part of a good community like this. And God, I just pray right now 
they would feel your goodness and your presence, God. And I pray that you would make a way for them to be brought into community, Father, and experience the good and beautiful life that exists in the church. But God, I pray that for every, that the challenge that exists for each of us here today as well, God, whether it's to re-engage or to get started or to try Alpha, God, I just pray that you would stir something in each of us as we go forward as this church and take on the mission and the calling of spreading the kingdom of God one meal at a time, one weeknight at a time, one relationship at a time. God, I pray that you would inspire us, that you would motivate us, that you would give us courage, wisdom, and opportunity. Father, I thank you for this community. Thank you for this family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.